0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: Well, I'm optimistic. Uh, I continue to think that there's a good chance it could be uh, football as we remember it. But at the same time, uh, if we can't get our arms around this virus and, and get it to level out to where the concerns of the fans, but also the student athletes, uh, and what is safe for uh, for those people, uh, and if, if that is still in question, uh, the, the season could look different than uh, Uh, we've experienced in the past. We just aren't quite there yet, we just don't know. Uh, As our backs get closer to the wall, we're gonna have to make some decisions along those lines, whether to reduce the number of games, uh, maybe move the, the entire Season back, what our lead-up time should be, and so many of us missed out in spring football practices. Uh, um, We had two out of fifteen, and a lot of our peers uh, are in the same boat. Some had a few more, but.
2: And welcome here to this edition of the Husker online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, A. Klaus. That was Nebraska's athletic director Bill Moose on his monthly radio show appearance on the Husker Sports Network here earlier in the week and he said it best we're going to have some decisions that need to be made Uh, Nebraska student athletes will officially begin workouts here on Monday June 1st in small groups Um, the state guidelines now allow uh, 25 or 50 percent of your um, overall room capacity in a weight room Uh, I know I can tell you Nebraska is not going to push that right now they're going to um, go into this um, you know, with a cautious approach as they begin workouts on Monday. But the big question, guys, uh, Robin and Nate, I- I- is tickets and, and, and how you go forward with the plan. You saw Iowa State kind of come out and say, we're only going to allow 30,000 fans in the stadium as of right now. Well, that's easy to say for Jamie Pollard when you only have 22,000 season ticket holders. Uh, Nebraska, if they came out and said, we're only going to allow 40,000 or 45,000 or 35,000, There would be possibly a civil war of Husker fans um, trying to figure out if they're going to be one of those 35,000 people or 40,000 people in Memorial Stadium. So uh, I think time is going to be a factor here. They're going to probably let the month of June really play out before you get to that point and have to make these tough decisions.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the Iowa State. Uh, situation was more of a a plea saying you better get your season tickets now 8,000 spots left on the lifeboat (laughs) clocks ticking but you know with Nebraska that is obviously not an issue in fact aren't the majority of the season tickets already claimed at this point so I mean you're really focusing on uh, if you cut that number down who gets in and who doesn't and that will be like you said some Uh, Very tricky maneuvering to... uh, Well, there's
2: 12,000 student tickets, too. Like, what do you do with that? I mean, what do you do with the faculty teacher Mm -hmm. tickets? I mean, there's a lot of people that have tickets besides season ticket holders as well.
3: And I saw a push, too, to, you know, I I think it was maybe Teddy Greenstein or somebody uh, on a more national level that uh, came out and said that they need to reward or... Give first priority to students and faculty, make, put the, the college back in the, the tickets and make it more about them uh, and not the, the big boosters that get first priority. I don't think that works in Nebraska. That's not going to work. I mean, so, I mean, <laughs> Nebraska is such a unique entity where what happens at other schools at Iowa State or Northwestern or whatever it may be, you just cannot do at Nebraska. There's so many politics involved. There's so much money involved that, uh, some, there's gotta be a lot of thought that goes into this, this whole situation. And right now they just don't have enough information to even begin that conversation.
4: Well, I don't see how you're going to please everybody. I mean, unless you're able to have a full stadium and things get back to normal, which, you know, I, I just, I don't quite see that happening right now. I just, I don't know how you're going to be able to, to please everybody. Um, whether it's, making the, the season ticket holders upset or, or um, you know, making your student body upset or, or the faculty or whatever. I just, I, I'm, I'm really glad that I don't have to be the one to try and figure that mess out because it is going to be, it's going to be kind of ugly. And, and I don't know if the university is going to have to make concessions and, you know, to the people that don't get in, um, kind of try to give them some sort of kickback or, or what, but um, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what type of plan they come up with.
2: A few thoughts and ideas I have as I look at this is number one, opponent tickets are probably done, so eliminate those three thousand seats right there. Your student section is about twelve thousand seats. You know, that's a smaller one. Some of these Big Ten schools have twenty thousand oh, yeah. uh, seats. You know, Wisconsin, Michigan. Um, what will that number be? Will it be half that? Will it be a third of that? Do you have to create a lottery where? you know, maybe 12,000 students have tickets, but then it's a week-to-week lottery. And tic- That's how it was when I was in college. And yeah. tickets are issued digitally to who gets to go to the mm-hmm. game. Um, but I think it's going to be a digital ticket system where each week they'll have to wait on CDC guidelines and health district guidelines. And then you can digitally email and release tickets uh, based on those numbers. Because I do think maybe it could change. I mean, maybe – different parts of the the season could allow more yeah. fans. We just don't know. And that's what is so hard for everybody right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, to sit there and project not only what's going to happen in September, but uh, all the way into November, it's impossible. And so I, I think right now, athletic directors, conference commissioners, university administrators all just have to put every possible scenario on the table and have every... Plan B through Z, uh, you know, ready and ready to go. Uh, just because uh, I mean, literally anything can happen. I mean, this could be a situation where um, by October everything is normal and they're playing football just like they always did. And it could also be a situation where what you do in September looks completely different. Uh, you know, just because of you know, but what could potentially happen with this virus by uh, the end of the season? But uh, you know, there's there's just a lot going on with you know even within the Big Ten. I mean, Michigan's president coming out. Saying saying that uh, you know, he doesn't think there's going to be a season where you have Bill Moose saying that they, <laughs> I mean, they, they could have a completely undisrupted <laughs> season. So, where the hell
2: did that comment come from? I mean, they announced kids are coming back to campus June 1, and then you come out and say that as the Michigan president.
3: Yeah, so I mean, it really depends on who you ask as to where the level of optimism is. And you know, obviously, <laughs> between you know, these two examples, Nebraska and Michigan, there are very differing opinions about the likelihood of not only fans being in the, se- in the stands, but there actually being a college football season. And so I tend to agree with Bill Moose. I think Nebraska will continue to be a pioneer in this and set the example for other schools on how to handle this. And what Nebraska does with each one of these issues that we talk about every single week uh, is going to ultimately have a ripple effect that goes across college football and how other schools follow their lead.
4: And I think another big thing is going to be you know, what uh, what the pro sports do in, in terms of how many people they're letting in. and. Um, you know, I saw something interesting online the other day. It was uh, actually the Korean baseball league is, is they, they <laughs> had a big Korean yeah, baseball. they, guy. But they have uh, <laughs> so they released their, their their seating charts basically, and they're going in waves. I think it was twenty five percent capacity, and then they're going to bump it up eventually to like thirty five, and then eventually to fifty percent. And it was like a checkerboard. You know, um, you know, based off of the percentage of of fans and everything, and um, the gradually going to allow more and more people in, and it's still going to be kind of a checkerboard system where there's you know there's space in between each person or whatever. But um, you know, I, I do think that. How Major League Baseball when they're back, or the, when the NBA is back, which it sounds like you know that's going to be happening in, by July, how they're allowing people in, or how they're seating people is going to impact the college game too.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a waiting game. Nobody wants to be the first; they all kind of want to follow, and and they don't want to be the situation that causes the outbreak. And I think a, another thing everyone's going to be waiting for is the spread of the virus. If it, in terms of the athletes, when they're practicing and when they're testing. Whether it's on these college campuses starting June 1 or in these professional sports games going on for baseball, hockey, and, you know, other other sports, NBA, basketball, you know, what, what will happen? Will, will any players at all test positive at that point? I mean, I think there's just so many unknowns that people need time to see. Um, I, I think some of the data we were given on this virus two months ago was way off. And we're, we're trying to learn more and more about what this virus is going to do here. Um, and and that's what Nebraska is probably going to keep waiting on until they absolutely have to make a decision.
3: Yeah, but at the same time, Nebraska is going to be uh, as progressive as uh, maybe any school in the country and getting this thing going. And so the good news is Nebraska is in a location geographically where the numbers are significantly lower than other parts of the country. So, I mean, they're able to set the model But just because it works in Nebraska might not mean it works in new jersey or uh, you know new york city or whatever it may be uh just because i mean there's just different circumstances there so uh you know i think nebraska has a luxury of being a little bit more forward thinking and being able to push things along uh, more so than others but still i mean they're going to be faced with some issues where yeah what happens when a player tests what happens when uh, a, a staff member tests or you know somebody in the training staff or, or whatever it may be uh i mean there's just a lot of layers that they you have to have plans in place, but no one is going to know what's going to happen and what the response is going to be until they're actually in it.
4: Yeah. And I I think that those types of protocols are, I mean, that's going to be pretty fascinating to see, you know, because they're going to have to have a plan in place before it actually happens. So you're going to have to think up of every type of scenario, um, you know, and and have an actual plan in place uh, for if and when something like that happens.
2: All right, we'll continue this discussion here as well. We'll get more thoughts on what Bill Moose had to say and more here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: We're wrapping up design, and uh, Greg, it is really impressive. We're having to address some of the uh, uh, financial pieces because anytime you do these, it's like building a house. <laughs> You're you're uh, you're you're going to have to scale back in some areas to come in on budget, but uh, we're in the process of doing that. It's working out uh, very very well, and when we do get that complete, and that should be here done here in the next week or two, then we're going to pause until uh, we uh, feel comfortable The the uh, chancellor and president uh, to go forward. And I know the regents will be involved in this too, but we will be set. Uh, we'll be on the launching pad ready. Uh, as as you're aware, our contractors are all selected. Uh, uh, the, the schedule is in place. It's just when when do we get into the starting blocks?
2: And when will that be Sean Callahan here, Robin Washington, a Klaus, Husker online show. As you heard, Bill Moose, Nebraska's athletic director officially say this week um, that the football facility project is on pause. Uh, now they have nearly all of the hundred million dollars in private donations in hand. Um, they have the construction company, Hausman construction, the architects um, and, and populace. Uh, the designs are almost done. They're ready to go. Um, but obviously there's an optics element to this that, um, you know, there's politics involved and it, it, when when will the right time be to, to move this forward? I mean, I, I've heard everything from we could see it done by the end of the summer that it could be delayed for an entire year. I mean, I, I think there's. There's a lot of theories out there of where this is going to be heading. Um, I believe there was a lot of politics, guys, just to get this thing going. I mean, remember all the university budget cuts from the state side and um, the the kind of horse trading that had to go on um, to get this kind of advanced through to get announced last fall. Well, now I think we're going to have to deal with another round of that. What kind of cuts are going to happen in the university? What kind of budget cuts are going to be coming from the state side to the university? Um, how will that be handled? And, how will the optics look when you when you build a hundred and fifty six million dollars stadium? That, by the way, is coming from a whole separate pot of money that's not tied to that money, but still, there's an optics element to all of it.
3: Yeah, I think there's also part of it is you just got to be careful. I mean, you're talking about that type of money with so much uncertainty uh, in the future. You know, maybe just pausing it, as Moose said, is is a smart uh, financial decision to where, you know, just in case things potentially get worse and you get kind of the, the lockdown stuff revamped and all of a sudden money, uh, you know, becomes a lot tighter. You're not, you know, halfway through a construction project where, you know, you're having, you know, some real, some tight decisions to make with your money. So, you know, I think a lot of it is it's, it's, it is optics, but I think part of it too, is them just being financially conservative and, um, not throwing a bunch of money to get this thing going right away. With there being so many unknowns lying ahead, Now it's maybe a deal they waited out for another couple months. And like you said, what if things completely die down? And all right, we can go. And maybe it's just you know they they push back uh, construction for a month or two months. Then it's really not that big of a deal. But I think it's just a cautious approach. Well, and- the
2: track too. Like they, if they move forward, they got to get that track done for mm-hmm. next track season because they're going to tear out the track. So both A and B have to be going and done. For track to be able to run on a new track for next season
3: yeah for me that just seems like it's not a top priority you know i mean when you're talking about the the amount of money being put in here and uh the issues that are currently at stake i think that they're willing to maybe make that sacrifice if it means you know making sure that everything is good to go and you have a full green light to get this started
4: yeah, the interesting thing is, while uh, well, it, it seems like they may be pumping the brakes or or holding off a little bit in terms of recruiting, they're not pumping the brakes on it at all. Um, they are full go. Uh, There's, sh- I know they're showing recruits, you know, the like new renderings and exactly what it's going to look like inside, and um, and really pumping it up to to the to the players. Um, you know, and, and I think you know if if there was a chance that it was going to be delayed, you know, for up to a year from now, or whatever, um, you know, I, I kind of feel like they may not be telling these recruits that, hey, this is what you're going to be using. Uh, you're going to finish your career in this, or whatever. So, um, I mean, they, from that perspective, they're they're full go, and and I know they're they're really you know pumping pumping it up to a lot of the players that are looking at Nebraska.
2: What I'll be curious too, does the groundbreaking of the track have to coincide? With the football facility, because I know originally the thought was the track was going to start a couple of weeks before the football facility. So is there really even a formal groundbreaking necessary for the track or could one day they just start pushing dirt on innovation campus to get that going? I think that's going to be something to watch, um, you know, how they handle that innovation campus track project, because that's a big part of it. You can't just start tearing up um, the football facility and then all of a sudden not have a plan for the track. And then leave hundreds of student athletes. Uh, because Nate, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but track and field probably, when you count the women's and the men's teams, they oh, comprise the the biggest, you know, number of student athletes in Nebraska. Yeah, it's well over. Besides 100. football, I yeah. mean, football obviously obviously is going to have the, that's a ton of athletes that you have to make sure you have a place for them to work out and train.
4: Yeah, it's it's well over a hundred. I mean, I, I think both men's or each each team. Uh, I mean, is probably 70, 80 – people um uh, i mean they're, they're they're huge between scholarship and, and walk-ons and everything
2: you're listening here to the husker online show uh, as as we talk facility projects here for nebraska and um kind of what the plan is and um yeah you know, i i think two part of it is i'm sure they envisioned a big public groundbreaking for this and having lots of people out there just like the day they announced the project um and it's going to be it's pretty hard right now to to have something like that um, in in the public, so you know maybe it's a deal where late July, early August, but you know kind of a prelude to starting the season, that that could be a best case scenario.
3: Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily see anything wrong with that. I mean, I think that's it's smart to just you know, pump the brakes on this a little bit, and not just dive head first with there being so many questions remaining to be answered. And again, if it's just a temporary delay, then it's really not that big of a deal. You can do things on much more comfortable terms and it can be more of a celebration rather than just trying to push this, you know, pretty significant project Through, uh, you know, under some questionable circumstances. So, I I mean, it's really kind of falls in line with the whole Nebraska mentality where, you know, you're going to be smart with your money and you're not going to overextend yourself, especially when, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in front of you.
4: Yeah, I mean, to me, it all it all comes down to timelines. You know, I mean, how firm was your timeline? How how necessary was it for this thing to to start or, or to be for the ground to be broken in, in June or at the beginning of the summer? Or you know, is if you didn't break ground until the end of the summer, um, you know, would that really throw everything off of uh, your original timeline? And and if it doesn't, then then yeah, no big deal. But if if it d- does impact the timeline, then you know, I think you got to have some serious conversations on you know how you can go ahead with this, and uh, while being con- you know looking, trying to make the optics seem seem all right, uh, even though you know technically, like you said, Sean, this is, has nothing to do with university money. Uh, it's all you know uh, the the athletic department's own money. But you you want to be you know I guess you
2: want to be a good partner, a good partner with it all, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a lot there. Just somebody can they just lease a leak leak a few of the the pictures to us and yeah. give us some of the uh, the Miss, specs. It's going to be
3: built eventually. Just show us to
2: give us a taste of what it's going to look like. Well, and like what we saw at the groundbreaking or the ceremony, the, not the groundbreaking, but the announcement ceremony in September. All that was was the shell graphic. You know, the the big picture. Look at it. Now they have completed or they're almost done with the, what the the interior and. All the bells and whistles are going to be. I think that's what most of the interest is right now. Like, what will make this facility maybe the best in the country when it's all said and done?
3: I thought that's what they were going to do with that social media tease, uh, you know, with the the week (laughs) of these uh, walls talk cryptic uh, tweets and all that stuff. And yeah, it was not that
2: clearly. Yeah, Yeah. what what was that, Nate? I have no (laughs) idea. Somebody brought up.
3: I don't. I don't know if it was on our board or what, but they they said there's some sort of program that's being used where like it's a fan experience when you're at the game like on your phone you have the app whatever you can like hold your phone up to can you get this (laughs) they do this at museums like if you go to like an art museum in you know france or something like that you hold it up and like it it pops up like information so like basically your app has a camera on it and you hold your phone up and so like you point it to some part of the stadium and it'll have a story if these walls could talk exactly (laughs) so (laughs) if if that's the case you know that's kind of cool but like Announce it, you know. It can keeps, you get
2: service in the stadium? Yeah, even? I I mean,
3: like, I well, maybe thirty thousand people. You can. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's <laughs> you barely, all part of the Now plan. you can. Yep. You barely <laughs> can get Wi-Fi and PBA. I know. I know. Yeah, the, the media. Internet is spotty at times, too, so I can't imagine uh, getting 5G service with uh, a full-capacity stadium. All right. I, I
4: I totally thought that was they were going to say something about the, the facilities with that deal, too, but not, not the
2: case. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over to basketball. Uh, Fred Hoiberg and his crew have a plan in place. That plan has stayed on schedule. We'll get Robin's thoughts on that and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: As we bring them in, we uh, quarantine them for, for the, the student athletes for uh, two days, 48 hours, and then test them. Uh, we can only work out in a voluntary manner. Nobody nobody is uh, uh, required to be back here. Nobody's required to, uh, to work out. And when we do, lots of Uh, details to it and again I applaud my people and and uh, all all of our coaches and such that have really really helped us
2: and welcome back here to the Husker online show Sean Callahan Robin Washed, as that was Nebraska's athletic director Bill Moose going through just the whole process as student-athletes come back to Lincoln. And um, we didn't really hit on this in the open, Robin, but Nebraska has really been on the forefront of this nationally. Um, They've implemented a plan that the entire Big Ten now is duplicating as Nebraska's student-athletes, for the most part, a lot of them have been back in Lincoln since the beginning of May. Some never never left, but the ones that did go home in March and returned in, say, the first week of May, they underwent a quarantine process for at least 48 hours. They were tested for COVID-19. I believe there's been some antibody tests conducted with the roster as well to see if players might have had COVID-19 at one point or another. So they've been really, really innovative with this process um nebraska medicine the university of nebraska med center um there has been a great partner and it's made that transition a lot easier and you know fred Hoyberg and his crew robin we were talking basketball here um they've had a kind of a early june arrival plan in place and you heard bill moose kind of go through the whole process of say what a basketball player is you're gonna have to go through to get on campus
3: yeah for like the last month They've been operating uh, as if June 6th was going to be their start date all along. And uh, when the NCAA officially lifted uh, that activities ban uh, starting June 1st, it kind of just fell right in line with uh, what they were hoping for and planning for all along. So really, um, their schedule has not been all that disrupted, I mean, all things considered. So uh, that's the good news. The the bad news temporarily right now, at least for the time being, is that four relatively key players are not in the country right now. Um, Delano Banton, uh, Shamil Stevenson are up in Canada back at back home. Um, Thorier Arson is back in Iceland. And um, Ivan Wade-Rogo is out in France. And right now, they can't come back to the United States because of the current uh, United States travel ban. And until that ban is lifted or at least eased, uh, there's no telling when they're actually going to be able to get back on campus with the rest of the team. So what, from my understanding is um, maybe by the end of this month, uh, there's expected to be maybe some loosening uh, of those travel restrictions. And as soon as they are able to come back, the university or at least the athletic department has the ability to buy the tickets and get those kids on a plane at the drop of a hat. So they're going to be ready and they're going to get them here as soon as they physically can. Um, so if it's a matter of a few days or, you know, a couple weeks, it's not the end of the world. Cause right now all they're going to be able to do is just work on conditioning. There's not gonna be any organized practices or anything for another few months, but, uh, as we've talked about with this team, just getting them all in the same room together for the first time is so critical. And really you can't start becoming a team until everybody's actually met face-to-face. I mean, it's like kind of the the baby step one. So right now they're kind of still some hurdles left to clear, but uh, definitely with that, uh, you know, loosening of the the NCAA's restrictions, Nebraska is at least on track with the way that they expected to be at this point.
2: You're listening here to the Husker online show. Robin is, as we move forward. Now we know what football players do when they get back to campus. You know, they're going to do workouts in the weight room, but it's it's unorganized. So that means there can't be instruction as of now. It's supervision in the weight room. When guys for Fred Hoyberg's team get to Lincoln, what are they allowed to do? What typically goes on say with basketball players who don't start their season until November?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's mostly just conditioning with uh, Tim Wilson, the strength coach, uh, and, you know, what, what the, those staff members, and then also they have the facilities available to them to play pickup and just start playing basketball together. And again, you can't have coaches out there, uh, you know, really in any capacity, but, you know, the players can at least start playing ball. And I think, you know, again, with this, with this team, that's so critical. That's such a critical element, just getting on the court together, learning each other's tendencies, developing some semblance of chemistry to where when you actually do have that first formal practice, uh, you know, there's at least some familiarity there. So I guess for this first part, it's going to be a lot like football, where uh, they're going to get in as much, you know, conditioning work and weight training as they can probably break them up uh, into some sort of groups. Uh, and then, you know, as, Guys continue to arrive, and um, you know the the, the hopefully things uh, start to ease up a little bit as far as what they can and can't do as a team. Uh, then you'll start to progress to more basketball related activities. But for the time being, workouts, weight training, and pickup basketball.
2: And of all the sports I know in Nebraska, basketball has been one of the ones that you hear some complaints because you know, like the, imagine some of these facilities in the states, like Omaha Sports Academy and uh, the brand new Kinetic Center that Manzito is mm-hmm. built here in Lincoln. These giant, massive gym complexes have not been able to be used since March. And, you know, there's no telling when they'll be able to actually have competition and games in these types of facilities, um, not just locally, but nationally in a lot of places.
3: It's strange. I mean, obviously, uh, they're trying to play it safe with youth sports. And I guess with baseball and softball, distancing is a lot easier, <laughs> if it goes without saying, uh, with, than compared to basketball. So I think it's inevitable. They'll eventually open things back up, but and I think they didn't want to just rush into it and group all of the sports together. But yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, we've talked about just the, the disruption of the AAU summer schedule and uh, the lack of opportunities being provided there. Uh, and so, I mean, the ripple effect goes to all, all the way down to the early youth ranks and facilities like that that uh, are really important. Resources for players in this state to own their skills in the offseason, uh, they are just not available. Uh, so I think that's—I think going to happen eventually, but uh, it needs to happen sooner and later to get things back on track.
2: Yeah, just the amount of rust that coaches are going to have to shake no off. Question. I mean, I, I know my gym program reopens June fifth, and it's going to be interesting. And I can't imagine trying to get myself back up to speed if I were a Division one athlete. Just the the training. That maybe guys have lost over this amount of time. I mean, you can practice on your own, but you just don't get the same type of workout and exactly. stuff that you're used to getting. And
3: for the most part, guys are in gyms. Uh, I mean, guys have been posting social media videos. I mean, Ivan's out in Paris or I guess Bordeaux uh, playing basketball. You know, in a gym. Teddy Allen's you know up here uh, just outside of Omaha in a gym. Uh, And so Trey Trey McGowan's so there, they have access to courts. I mean, they're not like just sitting there playing on their driveway, but uh, you know, it's still not the same when you're playing against, Big 10 competition and guys that are as good as you uh, on a daily basis, working out, having uh, guys push you and pushing your teammates, that can't be replicated in a condensed setting the way they're working with right now.
2: All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to bring Husker Online's LA Snow in, and we'll take your questions here in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: Well, the sellout streak is alive and well. If we are told, for example, we can only have 30,000 in Memorial Stadium, and we get 30,000, that that's a sellout. If we're if there are no limits uh, and we can can fill it, I've said this publicly this past week. There is no place like Nebraska, and there are no fans like Nebraska fans. And I would I would guess that uh, uh, the sellout streak would continue. And remember. We have had games where we've been uh, 10 or 20,000 less in attendance, but the seats have been sold and it's my feeling that the pride that our Nebraska fans have in that sellout streak that as you know dates back to 1962 and Bob Devaney's first year will be preserved. I have no doubts in my mind just having gotten to know and appreciate our fans.
2: And welcome back here to the Hans Alliance Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washington, Nate Klaus, uh, bringing Ali Snow in, as you heard, Bill Moose. And I do truly believe him, guys, that if for some reason they just lifted the lid off and said we can have full capacity, I mean, it would almost be like a pride factor for Nebraska fans to show the country that you know, they would want to fill that stadium. I mean, I have no doubt something like that would happen. Um, any thoughts on that, guys?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it uh, as many people as they allow in that stadium, they'll probably get it. And so, you know, a lot of people are making big deal about the sellout streak. If they sell, they are, they're given 30,000 tickets and they sell 30,000 no, no, no. that's a sellout. It's the same way that the last 10 years have been sellouts where – Not every seat has a button in it, but it's still a sellout. The tickets are sold. It's still it's pretty straightforward. I don't know why everyone's like trying to. It's not an attendance record. It's a it's tickets sold record. Tickets sold. Yeah, and the tickets have always been sold. Sell out
1: deal with
4: it. Yeah, I, I do think Nebraska fans would tep- would would absolutely fill it up, especially
3: since there hasn't been any type
4: of sporting events. I mean, everyone's starving for something to 5.
1: do.
3: 5.8 million people watched a foursome of two NFL <laughs> quarterbacks or former quarterbacks playing
2: playing golf. Nate's got yeah. into Korean baseball. Yeah, <laughs> I'm wa- yeah I've watched <laughs> Nate, Korean if, baseball. If
3: anybody wants Korean baseball takes, hit Nate up on Twitter <laughs> yeah. on the scrolls yeah. and he'll give you all the details. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I
4: mean, everyone's starving for for any type of competition sport sporting wise and and uh, especially in nebraska if if they said everyone you know that memorial stadium could be full capacity i think they would be sold out in an instant
2: all right Allie, let's get to you now the mailbag Um, as we took away a lot of your valuable time but um, (laughs) what do you have to lead us off with
5: all right this person wants to know should the ncaa have a uniform declaration date for schools who want to play football this fall meaning across the board start activities at a certain time
2: i don't know if that's possible and the NCAA is the governing body they put the rule books in the oversight in but they don't the the power five leagues really control everything as far as their tournaments and their schedules and their TV deals so I just don't know if the NCAA would be able to do that within the bounds of you know what they're able to do
3: oh well, yeah I mean it's just asking too much I mean what as you talked about earlier what Nebraska can do doesn't mean that well, Rutgers can do it or Maryland can do it. I mean, there's just so many variables uh, in every spe- specific situation that to put a uniform date down as a deadline for when you think you can play football right now, I mean, that, I think that's uh, irresponsible. Yeah, that's the thing about it
4: is it's not the same everywhere. You know, what, what Nebraska is dealing with is totally different than what Rutgers is dealing with. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It can't be uh, completely uniform across the country.
5: How will your job potentially change, assuming we have football this fall?
2: Well, we've talked about this a little bit off air, um, and you know, one of the things we have interview access on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And the big thing that you have to envision is, you know, the the days of just getting up to coaches with cameras and tape recorders a couple inches away—that's probably not going to be a reality. So, uh, probably more controlled interview settings with podiums and distance. Um, At press conferences, there won't probably be things going on in hallways um, as far as just going up to guys and grabbing them. And maybe capacity at press conferences then would be limited if everything's going to be viewed on television or stream and there's only one coach and five players talking and everybody can watch that. uh, Maybe a news organization will be limited bodies at a press conference, maybe limited bodies in press boxes. After practice, will players be spaced out and put on maybe smaller podiums. I mean, I think there's a lot of that, Robin.
3: Well, I think this is stuff that a lot of programs already wanted to do, and some do. I mean, Iowa probably won't be affected much at all because their media doesn't get anything. It's business as usual. Yeah, but <laughs> where in Nebraska, where, I mean, there is about as much access as you're going to find for a program of its stature, there's going to be cuts in, in some form. And I do think that it will be a more controlled setting where, uh, you know, they will handpick maybe – two to five players uh, on a Monday, and that's your press conference. And it'd be maybe one or two people from each outlet. What about
2: assistant coaches? That's the key question yeah, I, I have. Coordinators are one thing we get. How do you manage the flow of assistant coaches mm-hmm. at, say, these pre- these podium, If they had to do a little podium system. And maybe
3: that's your your – during the week stuff, where a Tuesday you have Eric Chenander at a podium and you know a handful of got people around him at a distance, and that's that's his availability. But what about
2: Tony Tuioti? Yeah. What about I mean, I don't, maybe they don't do him like that. Would be because Nebraska is one market, Nate, where assistant coach like there's like a weird fascination with fan base and like hearing from the assistants and it's not like that everywhere but Nebraska might be as big of a place as there is as far as hearing from the assistants. Yeah,
4: they they do. Uh, people care and and so I don't know if If there's, you know, maybe you put together a rolling schedule where, you know, on on Mondays, you've got, um, you know, one week you've got Greg Austin and then the next Monday you've got Ryan Held and it kind of, you know, rolls through and then on Wednesdays you have so and so or whatever. Um, You know, I I, I don't know what that looks like, but uh, I definitely do think that you're going to see, you know designated areas where the whether it's a student athlete or the coach is going to go and you know that's where they're going to stand and then the the media will have to either tripods yeah tripods or or whatever it's going to be kind of a podium setup it's going to look a lot different you're not going to have the side interviews where you've got you know (laughs) five to ten media members all squeezed together and with recorders and into uh, a coach's face or into a player's face and I mean that is going to look different to me
2: Here's one th- thing I just thought of guys why would they need if it's all podium why would you need 20 cameras up there yeah so maybe just they take the maybe they require up. everybody to take the feed that huskers.com gives and then then you eliminate all the cameras I mean yep. I, I'm not saying I'm a fan of that but that would really clear out a lot of the space there by not having 20 cameras there every every week when you know it's going to be one universal feed?
3: Well, we know that, you know, especially people at Nebraska, you know, they're not the biggest fans of uh, the amount of media that show up to every single practice. I mean, when you have 40 people on a Wednesday practice there to talk to five or six guys. I mean, that's a bit saturated. So, I mean, there are measures I'm sure they've already <laughs> wanted to take, uh, and now they have a reason to do it. And so I do think things are going to be far more controlled. Access will be dialed back significantly. And hopefully, uh, you know, we are still able to provide quality content. I'm sure we will be, but the idea of getting these, ex- you know, one-on-one interviews with assistants and, you know, the backup punter or whatever it may be, I think those days are done.
2: All right, Allie, what's next?
5: All right, did you guys ever hear why the area codes on the front of the helmets went away all of a sudden during the season?
2: I think there was something about individualism there that uh, it was going the wrong direction. Um, And yeah, they they just kind of went away and I believe that was a head coach's decision, and they didn't really want to get into it, but I believe there, there was something about individualism that they didn't like about that.
3: Yeah, I thought that was the whole point of it, where guys could have some individuality by repping their, their hometown or area code, but apparently uh, it was not handled the way that the staff wanted to
4: yeah i always i always got the impression that there was definitely you know they hadn't earned it maybe they they gave it to them too early or or they gave them something like that and and they didn't handle it the right way and so they they took it away and and i don't know if if it will be coming back or what but um yeah i hadn't even really thought about it for for <laughs> almost a year now but
2: yeah, it's you know it's funny like for Omaha, you know, or most of Nebraska, you grew up as the 402. Did you guys know that there's another Omaha area code now? The five, like, so do you say the five three one?
3: Or I mean, <laughs> I who's in the five three one?
2: Well, like my seventh grade niece called me um, because they were coming to Lincoln on Sunday. And her area code is a 531. And I'm like, wow. So, like, newer, younger people probably getting cell phones. There aren't any 402 numbers left. So, they're getting these 531 area codes. I rep five, the 531. 531. Since y- day one. Young Allie Snow, do you know any 531s? No, no, I
5: don't. I might be a little too old for that. <laughs> the first time you've ever said that. I know, right? No, I feel like I'm getting too old for TikTok. Like, I don't think I should be on the app. I'm too old. I think I most people s- should not be on that app.
2: Nate, were you a 308 though? Like, oh yeah, it was 308, <laughs> Western Nebraska. But you switched over to the 402. Well,
4: I had to eventually.
2: Okay. All right, the 5-3-1. What do you got to end us on here, Allie?
5: Um, how do in-conference transfers work with non-grad transfers, meaning can coaches block where kids go or stipulate that even if they get a waiver?
2: No. Um, you can go anywhere you want. Um, the days of blocking conference transfers are done. The days of Bo Ryan yeah. you know, dictating.
3: <laughs> He's the face of that movement.
2: Um, but, yeah, you, you can go anywhere. Um, as far as a waiver – you know that has to be signed off by the school you're leaving and everybody has to agree upon the waiver reasoning which that's not easy to do Uh, but you can go anywhere
3: yeah and you've seen plenty of examples of it both football and basketball where uh, I mean after a a brief period there where the the Bo Ryans of the world were able to dictate where a kid went now I mean basically you can go anywhere you want especially uh, going forward you know once that one-time transfer rule I mean all bets are off yeah, it's happened quite a bit, and, and not just with grad transfers, but
4: uh, with with players that have multiple years of eligibility that have yet to uh, to graduate.
2: Allie, got anything lighter to end us on?
5: Um, favorite drink of choice in quarantine? Mm.
2: Oh, man. Well, quarantine has been – you got to watch your calories a little bit too. I mean, because you don't get probably as much activity as you normally would get. So I've been just sticking with Coors Light. I do like the low, the low, the, it's called local zipline, but it's low mm-hmm. That's been a good one. And then you know I can't go wrong with Crown and Crown and Coke, Crown and Diet.
3: Yeah. So I at first was you know way into the the IPAs, double IPAs, and then you know they were starting to take a toll on me. So I had to scale it back. And you know I uh, have been introduced to the world of seltzers. Yes. i'm a seltzer bro yes which really? seltzer you know i've tried them all i, I like different <laughs> flavors from different brands the corona one's really good uh the bud light one i had a lot of that early you know i, I even tried some white claw to see what the kids you know what, what the hype was all about and you know when you can just have a couple of those and they're still five percent and only 100 calories that's how you do it yeah um
4: <laughs> now i have heard the corona seltzers good. Are, are actually pretty good, good. i've not i've not tried those Um, what I have tried that is the, the lighter, the locale is good. And then, uh, I tried the, the blue moon light sky. Oh yeah. Mm. That was, that's pretty good. I now I can't drink. I can't sit down and, and crush the, you know, multiple light skies. Um, like I could a Coors Light or something like that, but they're, they are pretty good and only like 95 calories or something.
2: What's your drink of choice, Allie?
5: Oh, a seltzer. But I do have a roommate that loves tequila, so... Margaritas are common Mimosas. in my apartment. Mimosas. <laughs> well, we knew that. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a seltzer girl, so. yeah.
2: You know, I, I've grown to like scotch too, Nate. I know you've been a yeah. scotch guy at times, but. Scotch and bourbon.
3: Sure. Yeah. When I, when I do bourbon, Basil Hayden's my brand. Yeah, Basil Hayden. John
2: Tallman, so a former colleague colleague of ours at the national level. I mean, he's a big scotch guy. Like, he enjoys a good scotch. But, yeah, I've, I've come to appreciate a scotch mm-hmm. over, the, over the last six months, I'd say. Sure. But all right. Well, hey, Allie, thank you very much. As we wrap up the mailbag here, um, we'll hopefully talk next week.
5: All right. Great.
2: All right. We're 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 going to close the show with some recruiting with Nate Klaus. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're
0: listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: The, the whole push for um, reform with the transfer piece has been delayed. It's my understanding will, will be delayed until – january when uh hopefully we're going to gather for the nc2a convention the rules that have been in place uh remain in place those sports that need to sit a year are going to have to continue to do that until uh the reform piece is put in place if indeed it does
2: and welcome back here to the final segment of the hosker online show sean callahan nate Klaus, as you just heard athletic Director bill moose say the one-time transfer rule, um, as we know, has been put on pause for at least a year as they try to iron out the loose ends of that potential uh, waiver. But the segment here of the Husker Online Show brought to you by our friends at Kugler Vision who... Uh, things are getting really busy, obviously, with elective surgeries now open now for a few weeks. Nate, what's the latest going on with Coogler Vision?
4: Yeah, well, it's been uh, several months now, over maybe over half a year since I've had my vision corrected by Coogler Vision, and uh, still every day I'm a little bit amazed by just. Uh, how convenient it was and and how great the results have been Um, was able to golf last week and uh, just seeing my golf ball although it was not straight um, you know was uh, was just fantastic and I cannot recommend them enough obviously their safety is their number one priority right now Uh, still kind of social distancing but uh, definitely go to coolervision.com Uh, take their quiz to see what type of vision correction is best for you, uh, and then follow up with them. They will do uh, the best to get your vision back on track.
2: Well, Nate, not a lot of movement this past week on the recruiting front, more offers and kind of more things to watch. But, you know, something I wanted to hit on with you here from the past, um, a big-time recruit in Javorio Burks, a guy that – you knew really, really well. I covered and, and was around his entire time as well at Nebraska. Uh, tragically passed away here, um, I believe, over the weekend of a brain aneurysm. He battled health issues as well, ended his career. But he was only the second true freshman ever to start on the offensive line in Nebraska program history. Matt Slauson was the first. Um, so, in, in Slauson was a, a prep school guy. He was technically kind of older than your typical freshman. So y- you could make a case that Javario Burks, might have been the youngest lineman ever to start a game at Nebraska um, the way it all played out, but, you know, his life uh, ended here this week. And, um, you know, it's it, it just – you just think about what kind of talent, what kind of ability he had. He could have gone on to be one of the best ever to play at Nebraska if he would have stayed on trajectory path.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah first of all, yeah, I really – you know, this – it kind of hit hard um, because – I, I worked in Nebraska and, um, you know, was recruited Javario. Uh, he visited a handful of times, and, and uh, you know, he was one of those guys that made a huge impact on you uh, just because the way he carried himself. He, he was always happy. The guy always had a smile on his face. Um, you know, he, 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 you're always laughing when you're around him. Uh, the, the visits with Javario and, and Prince Mukamara. And uh, Eric Hag, all those Arizona guys were just um, one of a kind uh, because it was nothing but it was just pure comedy. Uh, anytime you were around those guys, and so um, and then on top of that, he was he was an unbelievable athlete. I mean, one of the most talented guys um, that I've seen. He had all the tools to be great, and I always I always felt terrible. That his that his career you know was cut short because of the the kidney uh disease that he had um you know that he didn't even you know he, he never really knew that was ever going to be an issue for him obviously it was um you know and, and then if, you know to hear that that he passed away this past weekend you know hit pretty hard um and i know he just lost his mother in march and then now this this happened so uh, but he had a chance, I, I think to be, to be one of the greats, uh, and he, he had no idea how good he could be. I think he was just starting to figure out that, that he could be you know, pretty, pretty special because yeah, everything he did was so easy. Um, you know, and, and to me, I, I was actually, I was talking with Bill Bush about this, uh, you know, over the weekend, when, once we heard the news, um, you know, one of the, one of the most impressive things that I, that I did when, when we were kind of scouting Javario and and everything, I, you know, I would always cut up the film and, and then give it to the coaches. And, uh, you know, I, I watched a basketball game of his, a couple basketball games of his. And the, the, the highlight that I made off his basketball games, just like two basketball games, was, was equally as impressive, if not more so, than, than the highlight film that, uh, or, you know, the cut up that I did for his, his football footage. And for a guy that big to move and do some of the things he did on the court, uh and on the football field it was just unbelievable but yeah truly uh you know sad news and you really do feel bad for for javario and, and all of his families and, and former teammates
2: just 31 years old and to give you an idea nate of, of the impact he had um you know i reached out to the cleveland browns to, to see if we can get a comment from bill callahan on javario and since bill callahan has left nebraska in 07 he's not made one public comment about nebraska about a nebraska player um and you know it's it's going on 14 years now and um within an hour i got a statement from bill callahan about javario burks and this is the first time i'm reading this um publicly Um, i am deeply saddened to learn of the passing of javario burks from the moment he stepped on the field for me at nebraska it was clear javario was not only a special player, but a special teammate, friend, and person. As a coach, he embodied everything you want in one of your players, and he will greatly be missed by many. I extend my heartfelt sympathies and condolences to his family and friends during this difficult time. As uh, you heard here from uh, former Nebraska head coach Bill Callahan, and Um, That just tells you the impact. Even Bill Callahan, you know, only coached the guy for one year, but he made the decision as one of the best offensive line coaches, as we know, in the game of football to start Javario Burks as a true freshman at Texas against the nation's number six run defense. And Martin Lucky had 24 carries for over 100 yards that day, and a lot of it was due to what Javario Burks was doing. And that was a Texas defensive front that had Brian Arakpo and a lot of big-name guys. And the Huskers moved them that day up front um, with guys like Javario Burks.
4: And it, that was that was like the game where I think you saw the light come on, and, and you, you, he, he kind of—I think that's when he started to realize, "Oh, I can do this, and I can be pretty good at it." Um, because everything, like I said earlier, everything he had done up into that point, you know, it was just it was easy for him. Um, you know, and, and I think that he realized. That you know, if he started to to really you know, apply himself and continue continued to work on it and, and improve his craft, that he could be really, really, really special. And um, you know, I, I will remember that game. Um, you know, it, it's it's just it's a sad deal. I you know, I, obviously haven't been around too many players that that I was around, whether covering them or or recruiting them to Nebraska uh, that have passed, but. Um, certainly this one, and then, of course, Sam Fultz. I mean, it it hits you when you hear something like that and you really think about it. And, and, you know, I know I'm getting older, and so – and especially now that I'm a a, a parent – uh, when you hear something like this, you know, someone so young passing away, it it, it 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 hurts you a little differently.
2: Yeah, and we were talking about this off air. There's been so few – you can count them on one hand in the last 20 years, the number of Nebraska football players that have been that have passed away. Sam Fultz, DeVario Burks. Um, you had Travis Gingery, a walk-on that we knew. His father was a Lincoln East head coach this recently passed away. And then Justin Tomerlin, um, who was Zach Taylor's roommate, a tight end um, on on the 05 – or the 06 and 07 teams – um, but it, it, there's not many. But it, and Nate, you you can chime in on this here as we wrap it up. But for for Bill Callahan to within an hour send a statement back after really what has been years of silence about anything Nebraska should tell you all you need to know about Javario Burns. Yeah,
4: that that right there that that tells you all you need to know about it. And uh, um, it, it Bill Callahan. I mean, I know people still have their own opinions and everything. Uh, having worked with him, worked for him, he's a good guy. Uh, but. He's not wanted to really get into to anything that has to do with Nebraska. He's not wanted to rehash anything and, um, you know, he's kind of put everything behind him. But uh, for, for him to, to go ahead and comment on Javario Burks uh, within, you know, within an hour's time, I, I think that tells you, uh, you know, all you need to know about Javario and the impact he had on everybody. There was not a single person could be around Javario and not like him. I mean, he had an impact – he was a great teammate, but just i mean, just a great person. Um, like I said, he'd go in a room, and he'd, he'd, he'd lighten, brighten that room up because uh, he was always always had a big old smile, was always happy. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm going
2: to miss him. Well, um, thanks again here for, for joining us. Uh, when we get back on next week, uh, football workouts um, will officially be back. Players will be back in full go here starting on Monday in Lincoln.